In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Denver. That's right. We're not in Cleveland. We're in Denver and we're here with Ben Albright. Ben, how is the weather in Denver? It is, uh, it's phenomenal. It's uh, sunny and uh, upper 60s, lower 70s on the, the Fahrenheit scale. So uh, it's phenomenal. That's about 25, 30 degrees. That's quite hot, right? Uh, it's a little warm. I mean, I've got like a long sleeve thing on, but it's kind of thin. So I'm, I mean, I'm a little warm in that, but uh, it'll get me through the evening hours. Excellent. Well, Ben, we are three days away from the draft and uh, the biggest potentially trade is the Browns and the, and the Denver Broncos. And uh, obviously your man on the ground in Denver, what are you hearing at the moment? Well, I think the Broncos are calling around trying to get the price tag to move up certain places. I think they, you know, they have their eye on uh, some of these receivers and, you know, they think they uh, they need to get to a certain position to make sure that they get one or, or get the one that they want. And, um, so, you know, I, they've called around, they've called to uh, 11, 10, 9 and 8, I believe, to, to kind of get the gauge, the price tag on each of those spots. Uh, I know the Browns have kind of advertised that they'd like to move back. They, they really like Ezra Cleveland in this draft. I think they can move back and get him. Um, so, you know, I, I think both sides are kind of, you know, dancing around that it's a possibility. Broncos aren't the only team that's inquired. I know the Eagles have. So, um, you know, I think it really is just if both teams find an amicable price point and Denver feels like they need to move there, maybe that gets done. And regarding the Eagles, like – I know you can't say too much of your sources, but like, how do you know about the Eagles? Is it just common knowledge, or is there something you know? Or I just uh, is somebody I talked to that, that that knows, that's in a position to know, and and was involved with that. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that the Eagles. I don't know how serious they are because they, they don't have a whole lot of picks this year, but they're at least getting the you know the price points to make sure they know what it would cost to be able to get certain players. I, I think for the Eagles, who also would be on a receiver, um, I, I think that would be for Ceedee Lamb. Uh, the Broncos, I think it'd be for one of the two Alabama receivers. But, um, you know, it's – it's. I, I think it's just calling around to make sure you know what the cost is going to be prior to the draft. And this draft is going to be uh, a lot different because, you know, it's it's done over Microsoft Teams instead of, you know, in person and all that kind of stuff with the whole war room. So there's some, some technical things here, and I think everybody wants to have everything mapped out, priced out ahead of time so that they know what it is they're getting into once the clock starts. Ian you're, Ian, you're over in Chicago, so it's a true global podcast, Ian. Um, uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, my question for Ben is, because we have this knowledge that all of these teams want one of these three wide receivers. we got Jerry Judy and Ruggs from Alabama, and we've got CeeDee Lamb. So the reason I think we're hearing about Denver or Philly um, moving up is because if they stay where they're at, they may fall into that second tier of wide receivers, you know, the Justin Jefferson's or T Higgins, depending on which uh, board you're going from. Do you think maybe that's why, how much of an appreciable drop is there from that first tier, those three wide receivers to that second tier? I think it's pretty appreciable. I, I think that uh, Jefferson is kind of really only a slot only guy to me. 
Uh, and then you look at T Higgins. Well, you know, Buffalo was a team that was really looking at T Higgins and they went to his pro day and they were so unimpressed. They went out and traded their first rounder for Stephon Diggs right away. Uh, um, you know, other guys that get mentioned in the first round guys like Denzel Mims or Brandon Ayuk, you know, talking about a raw guy. If you're talking about Mims, you're talking about a, a hurt guy. Uh, if you're talking about the Ayuk. So, you know, I think there's an appreciable drop off. And I talked to, I talked to somebody who, you know, who works in, uh, an NFL front office, and he said, you know, everybody's talking about how deep this draft class is, but how many of these guys do you really think are wide receiver ones or guys that dictate coverage at the, you know, at the NFL level? And he's like, for me, it's only about four or five guys. And he's like, there's, you know, there's there's 20 to 25 guys that could have lengthy careers in the NFL, be spot spot start guys or rotational guys, you know, wide receiver three or four. And that's cool, uh, you know, to say that you have a deep class. But in the end, if you don't have starters, if you only got four or five starters, you're going to see teams moving up to try to get those guys because they need them and there's only a few of them. Yeah, it's been kind of wild because you look at it and I just see a lot of, you know, from a Brown standpoint, a lot of Rashad Higgins, you know, like a lot of those kind of role playing receivers, whether they're in the slot. Um, now, when we talk about the offensive line, a lot of people say, no, Browns should just stick where they're at at 10, take the best available tackle. Yet with the receivers, we have three guys who we know are the consensus top three receivers. Yet with the offensive tackles, you ask one guy to the left, one guy to the right. Who's your top tackle of these four guys? You'll get a different answer almost every single time. Why do you think there's such a widespread, you know, division in who is the top tackle and, you know, why are teams so all over the map with these guys? I think part of it is that scouting is an art and not a science. So beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I think part of it is or has to do with fit. You know, we, when, we, when we rank players, when you or I rank players, we usually rank them just kind of in a vacuum. I think this person is number one, this person is number two. When teams are ranking players, they're ranking them for the fit in the system that they run. And so the person who might be the top tackle for, for instance, the uh, Cleveland Browns, who are going to be running wide zone this year, uh, might be different than who's going to be the top tackle for the Denver Broncos who are switching to power gap. And so, you know, I think that's that's the thing is I think that's why teams are all over the map is what they run really kind of dictates who it is that they're looking for and what it is that they're looking for in terms of a fit rather than just taking a guy who somebody quote unquote calls the top guy in the class. Do you think that applies with Tristan Wirfs in the sense that there's now kind of this buzz about him moving inside, maybe in his first year to start at guard? I know that Browns fans are aware that, you know, Joe Thomas and former offensive lineman John Greco said that. And then there's been some more talk this week about that. What is your kind of feeling from around the league, whether or not Wirfs is going to start out on the outside or come inside and play guard maybe for the first year or two? Uh, it just depends on where he goes. I, I think you start him outside to start with. I, I think that, you know, I've, I've never been a fan of taking a tackle and making him a guard temporarily. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. To me, you want him to hold his craft in the position he's going to be great at and, and where you project him long term. So, uh, and Wirfs really is kind of a zone scheme guy. I mean, that's that's really kind of, you know, if it were me, I would put him at right tackle and just, you know, see what he can do. And if he can't do that, then we look at, you know, maybe moving him to guard or something. But, um, you know, I mean, realistically, why would you t why would you draft a guy that early to put him in another position that's not going to be his long term position? That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If you had your choice of one of the two tackles at ten for the Browns, knowing Stefanski's offense, obviously it's a derivation of Gary Kubiak, who spent time out in Denver. Who would you guess are the two top tackles on the Browns board? Uh, I would say Thomas and Wirfs would be of those top four. Um, you know, again, I know they like Ezra Cleveland, so there's that too, but, um, 
you know, I, I would suggest those three names are probably the best fit for, for what they do. With this with wide zone scheme, you don't necessarily need a big hog molly attack, but you want somebody who's a little more athletic, somebody who can get to the second level, that kind of thing. Um, you know, you really want smart tackles. They've got to be very agile. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit different than, than your typical, you know, power gap tackle where you just want a big body that can move a, move a guy off his spot. So um, it's part of the reason that the Broncos went out and drafted Garrett Bowles over Ryan Ramchick a few years ago. And uh, while that appears to be a mistake on its surface, at least in terms of talent, um, you know, it, the fit was really a lot of what some of that was about. And so, you know, you look at that situation, you say, okay, well, Garrett was a lot more athletic. Um, you know, he's a guy that could get to the second level and that kind of stuff. That, that kind of made a little bit more sense. But um, if you're if you're looking for archetypes and you're looking for what would work, you need to have guys that are able to pull. You need to have guys that can get to the second level. They just got to be a little bit more athletic in the tackle position or really across the offensive line, honestly, if you're going to run that wide zone scheme. Ben, we've talked about obviously the Browns trade partners. Who else do you think the Broncos uh, trade partners could potentially be? Uh, well, they've, they've inquired kind of about, uh, at least in terms of the move up, um, everywhere from Arizona to uh, the New York Jets. They've kind of inquired about each of those spots, uh, which tells you that they think they need to be in a certain spot in order to land somebody that they have their eye on. Um, I, I don't think they're opposed to trading back either. I, I think that, you know, if the Broncos don't feel like their guy is there, I feel like they would, you know, they might look to move back. So uh, I, I don't think that uh, it's necessarily confined to trading up. I don't think it's necessarily confined to that. I just think that they're trying to explore all their options and have it uh, and have it nailed down. I feel like the Browns, the Jags would be obvious targets. Um, I feel like the Niners, you know, they have a relationship there. Uh, the Broncos have also traded with Philadelphia before, so you know feels like there's a relationship there. So um, if they want to move back, so I, I think it really is about who's there and, and what's available. And at that point in time, they'll look to either move up or move back. So if the Broncos ended up picking at 15, do you think they would look at that second tier receiver? Or do you think they would maybe jump into a different position of need because? You know, when I look at the draft, I look at kind of that 15 to 20 sweet spot and I just see kind of a run of corners, you know, whether it's Atlanta or Dallas, uh, Miami, the Raiders. You have a lot of guys in there or a lot of teams in there that could go corner. Do you think the Broncos would look to replace Chris Harris or do you think they would maybe look uh, at a different, a different position? Well, they, they feel like they replaced Chris Harris with A.J. Bouye, the trade that they made there. But um, if the three receivers weren't there, yes, I suspect they would go corner or trade back. Um, and, and at that point in time, I think they would prefer to trade back and probably snag a corner and a receiver like a Jalen Rager, uh, maybe a little bit later. Uh, I, I think that the Broncos in their first three or four picks are probably going to come away with a receiver, a corner and a center, uh, most likely in, in those three or four picks, first three or four picks. Well, Ben, look, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. I was going to ask one last question, which is tell us what you're going to be doing on draft night this year. Uh, we are going to be covering it live. Uh, you know, I think most people know I work for the, the Broncos and the flagship station there now, um, KOA in Denver. So we'll be doing a radio broadcast live, just like a, a regular studio show, like, uh, like you'd see on NFL network or whatever, except it'll be on the radio. Uh, you can stream it on the iHeart app. If you want to do that, we'll have uh, uh, former Browns uh, wide receiver, Dave Logan will be, uh, will be on there. Um, you know, Rick Lewis, myself, uh, Ryan Edwards, Brandon Cristal, and uh, Mike Rice, I think. And uh, we'll be bringing three days, all three days worth of uh, full studio show coverage. Well, look, Ben, if we get any trades in there, Browns and Denver's, we've got to link up live and uh, go crazy, hey? 
We'll make it happen. <laughs> All right, Ben. Look, mate, you look after that, that car of yours. I hope Denver have a good draft. Who knows what's going to happen with the Cleveland Browns. But, Ben, as always, thank you very much for your time. And I look forward to seeing you in London very soon. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot there, Ben. Chubb on the left hip of Mayfield in the shotgun. Baker runs up to the offensive line. Backpedals into the gun on second and nine from the 21 of New England. Back to pass. Settles. Throws. Looking. Caught. End zone. He's got a touchdown as he gets it in there to Demetrius Harris.